Welcome to Demand Does, and this is going to be a bit different this week because I will not be doing an interview. Um, actually, I'm going to be doing some uh, kind of housekeeping things. So if you're still on board as we speak, or as I speak, as we go along forward, then buckle up and get ready for the ride. Now, seriously, uh, before I get into all this, please, everybody who's liked shared and subscribed i appreciate that please keep doing that i will i promise i'm gonna give you more reasons to do so so let me go back to let's go back to the beginning once upon a time not long ago where people were people did pockets and lived life slow or before covid and justice stood well who are we kidding that's not so that's not so good anyway so the original plan for Demond Does the Six Questions was going to be I was going to do a bunch of interviews and I was going to have I was going to do two a month. So it was going to be every other week. Episodes were going to be roughly half between an hour, half hour and an hour. I realized how much life had sped up and how old some of my old interviews had been, and so I decided to ramp up production and start doing it once a week. A little bit later, if you've followed me since the beginning, you saw that I did the COVID conversations, which were about mental health, and in the climate that we live in, then it became a series. So I didn't plan too far ahead, or I did, and then I had to adjust as we go. And now I'm at a point where I have to pivot again, and I need to. I realized I just need to stop for a second, figure out where I'm going, and go. I didn't want to just just keep chasing my tail. I don't deserve that, and neither do you. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the rest of time uh, talking about what's going on now and what's coming up and, you know, things like, when am I coming back? So, what's going on now? What's going on now? I believe I already covered it. It is going to be me preparing for Season 2. But there's also something else that I've been doing that I wanted to share with you. I am on another podcast called Common Conversations with the Oddfellas with... Well, just take a listen. Yo, this your boy Miguel Hampton, aka Gelly Gel. This is Demond, aka Demond Does. What's up, everybody? My name is Damon. Trainer in the building. Welcome to Common Conversations with the Odd Fellas. Start it up. No topic is off the table. Superman don't go nowhere without his cape. We came together to cry, laugh, agree, and to disagree. So let's go. Yo, wasn't that dope? You can find us on Facebook, of course, with the page named Common Conversations. It's going to have Miguel's face on it. That handsome devil. What's coming up? Did I already mention that the demand does the six questions or whatever incarnation it's going to turn into will be doing another season yet? Season two, season dos, numero two. If you didn't know that already, you do now. The other thing I'm doing is I'm doing yet another podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going on break from my own podcast while I'm doing two other ones and I'm going to be back with season two did I mention I'm doing season two anyway if I didn't maybe I should mention that I think I'm going to do season two season two will be out and then I'll be doing three podcasts and I'm not gonna lie this is kind of fun it's been a fun little ride come on 
there's a second podcast. What is the name of that podcast? It's interesting that you rest because I'm about to tell you. It's called Different Worlds, Same Story. Now, where does that name come from? I would love to turn it over to my friend Madeline, but I did not record anything, so I'm going to tell the story, and you'll just have to believe me. You ready? Here we go. Okay, so Madeline approached me. She was telling me about how A Different World is on one of the streaming services, which is not paying me, so I will not mention it so you can go find it. And she was talking about how relevant it was to today's social climate and its political climate, which was kind of sad. And she wanted to talk to somebody who was old enough to remember the show and to kind of have somebody to bounce off of because Madeline's a little bit younger than me. She was pretty young when the show came out. And I remember watching the show. I don't remember all the plot points or anything like that, but I do remember the characters and I love the show. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this, man. So Madeline and I are doing another show. So I know you're wondering, how in the world did she convince me, a father of two, husband of one, I am already on two podcasts, I have a full-time job, I have a rich social life. Okay, that last part was a bit of exaggeration. But how am I going to fit this in? And this is a conversation we had. Demond, the oceans are rising. Police are abusing their power. People are dying of a horrible new disease. All right, Freddie. Power to the podcast. What are you talking about? A different world, same story. Madeline Rosenberg and Damon Thompson, the man who streaked Hillman's graduation in eight inches of snow. It only happened once. Global warming, my brother. That was a weird spring. Class is in session Thursday, July 16th at 8.30 p.m. Follow A Different World, same story on social media and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So, yes, listen to other me or past me or I'm not sure. Yeah, that would be past me because I recorded it before I recorded this. So second past me to first past me. We You got a listen to those two. Listen, matter of fact, listen to first past me, second past me, the past me that was talking earlier. And then the future me that's going to talk to you that will eventually become the past me. You have got to check out Different World, Same Story. We've taped quite a few uh, episodes so far, and it is so much fun. I, If you join the conversation and you watch the show along with us, we're going to show you some things that you may not have seen. We're going to show you some things that you may not have thought about since the eighties, late 80s, early 90s. And that could be a little fun, a little trip down nostalgia road. So you got to check it out. Different world, same story. We're still getting our social media set up, but obviously we've been doing some recording. And when I have all, the, all my quack quacks in a row, you'll know. I promise. So what is coming up? That is what's coming up. What's coming down? I don't know what's coming down. What's what's coming down? I don't know what's coming down. 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 Okay, so the last question actually is when am I coming back? That answer is probably the simplest. It's going to be August 7th. And for those who are not aware August is my birthday month. August 7th is three days before the biggest shopping day of the year. That's right, Demond Day. I am not sure what I'm going to do for Demond Day this year. But if you have any suggestions, please find me on Facebook at Demond Does. Find me on the Twitter machine at Demond Does. The best way to find me from here on in, I think, is going to be on Instagram. That seems to be the most positive social media so i may be doing an experiment there there are all the ways i'll probably check the other ones anyway but you've got to find out if you want to you've 
got to check with me if you wanna find out. If you wanna find out. If you wanna find out. And if you wanna, if you wanna find out. So that's all the housekeeping, and this last little bit uh, is a discarded segment from one of the shows I did uh, that I mentioned earlier, Common Conversations with the Oddfellas. And I decided I'm going to do the whole thing here. This is the full version of a little research project I did. It was about American heroes, and I chose to be Bass Reeves. And if you like it, let me know, because I'm seriously thinking about doing a series like this, whether as a part of Demond Does, or as its own show, or... I don't know. I don't know what entity it'll become. But if it's something that people want... I'm going to figure out a way to give them to them. So please let me know either way. Now, get ready for Bass Reeves, American Hero. Picture for a moment the ideal law enforcement hero of the Wild West. Our idol would probably be a righteous badass, rounding up criminals by the dozens, quick on the draw, but with an ironclad integrity. A United States Marshal rounding up a dozens, rounding up outlaws by the dozens. What if I told you he was real? Now I'm pretty sure we're all aware that the Wild West wasn't nearly as wild as Hollywood loved to tell us. But did you know that it also wasn't nearly as white? As a matter of fact, one in four cowboys were black. One of the greatest cowboys of all time was black. And that man's name is Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves was born a slave near Van Buren, Arkansas in July of 1838. He was a slave to a Colonel George R. Reeves who took him under his wing and taught him how to shoot, which he was going to regret. George later made Bass his valet, bodyguard, and personal companion. And when the Civil War broke out, Texas sided with the Confederacy, and George Reeves went into battle, taking Bass with him. It was during this time that Bass made his escape. Now, there are two prevailing theories on how this happened. Theory number one is the, is the romanticized one, where Bass heard tales of freedom, stories of free men, and he was enchanted by said stories and mustered up the bravery and finally escaped into modern Oklahoma. The other story, however, the second story, and then the rest of the story for those of you who are old enough to get that reference, the second and the one I personally believe, because I have an agenda just like everybody else, is that Bass and George argued during a card game and got in a fight. George immediately regretted training Bass and got that butt whoop. Bass was handing out two pieces like his name was Popeyes. He was handing them out. He was handing out deuces like a game of Uno. He was handing out two pieces like his initials were KFC. And then he escaped into what is now Oklahoma. Anyway, during the Civil War, Bass found refuge in Indian Territory, again, modern-day Oklahoma. During his time in hiding, he became familiar with the unexplored territories and learned the practices and languages of the Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole tribes. Exactly what Bass Reeves did during the Civil War after he took his freedom remains uncertain. 
It's possible he could have been with one of the guerrilla Union Indian bands in the territory, such as the Cherokee Pins. He might have also served with the Union's 1st Indian Home Guard Regiment, composed of mostly of Seminoles and Creeks under an Indian name, or Native American name. That's probably more proper. My apologies. Reeves left the Indian Territory in 1843 after the Emancipation Proclamation and bought land near Van Buren, Arkansas, where he became a successful farmer and rancher. A year later, he married Nellie Jenny from Texas and immediately began to have a family, raising ten children on their homestead, five boys and five girls. The family lived happily on the farm. So let's make sure we're all on the same page here. Born a slave... Escaped by living the dream of beating the piss out of a racist and getting away scot-free. Fought on both sides of the Civil War. Retires a free man with a family. That is a bad-A black man. And I'm not done. Check this out. The Indian Territory had become extremely lawless as thieves, murderers, and anyone wishes to hide from the law took refuge in the territory that had previously had no federal or state jurisdiction. Judge Isaac Parker was appointed by Ulysses S. Grant to help Native Americans receive the money they were trying to make from the land stolen from them. How nice of them. Outlaws were robbing the trains that passed their territory, and Grant believed Parker could clear the area. Parker didn't believe in capital punishment, but somehow hung a lot of people. One of Parker's first acts was to swear in a United States Marshal and appoint 200 deputies. The deputies were tasked with, quote-unquote, cleaning up Indian territory and on Judge Parker's orders, bring him in alive or dead. I think that's how he sounds like. That's what he sounds like in my head. That and uh, quite a bit more racist. Anyway, Bass Reeves was one of those deputies. He worked alongside mostly white U.S. Marshals as a sharpshooter. And remember, Bass Reeves had spent part of the Civil War learning from the Native Americans, making him the king of the code switch. Now remember, Bass Reeves was not taught how to read and write, so how did he serve warrants? Well, before he headed out, he would have someone read him the warrants. He would then memorize the letters of the name and the sound that goes along with it. And then when asked to produce the warrant, he never failed to pick out the correct one. Now here's a couple cool stories. One day, Bass Reeves was running down a pair of Texan murders when they got the drop on him. Reeves encountered the two men on the road, and they asked him if he was, ba- if he was in fact, the infamous Bass Reeves. My emphasis, not theirs. Reeves said that he wasn't, and the outlaws, of course, didn't believe him and pulled their guns on him. They then forced him to ride with them until they encountered someone who knew him. After continuing along for some time, the Texans got tired of holding Reeves hostage, and they ordered him off this horse so they could kill him. Like something out of a Western movie, they asked Reeve if he had any last words, to which he replied that he had a letter from his wife that he wanted the killers to read to him. All off of their horses, Reeves handed them the letter with shaking hands. As the men took their eyes off Reeves, the marshal drew his gun on the outlaw holding the letter, and the other killer dropped his gun in surprise, and Reeves brought them both in. And this is a trick he had used multiple times. On one such occasion, Reeves was pursuing two outlaws in the Red River Valley uh, near the Texas border. Gathering a posse, Reeves and the other men set up camp some 28 miles from where the two were thought to be hiding at their mother's home. After studying the terrain and making a plan, he soon disguised himself as a tramp, hiding the tools of his trade, the handcuffs, pistol, and badge under his clothes. Upon arriving at the home, he told the tale to the woman who answered the door, that his feet were aching after having been pursued by a posse who had put three bullet holes in his hat. 
After asking for a bite to eat, she invited him in, and while he was eating, she began to tell him of her two young outlaw sons, suggesting that the three of them should join forces. Baining weariness, she consented to let him stay a while longer. As the sun was setting, Reeves heard a sharp whistle coming from beyond the house. Shortly afterward, the woman went outside and responded with an answering whistle. Before long, two riders rode up to the house, talking at length with her outside. The three of them then came inside and she introduced her sons to Reeves. After discussing their various crimes, the trio agreed that it would be a good idea to join up. Bunking down in the same room, Reeves watched the pair carefully as they drifted off to sleep and when they were snoring deeply, handcuffed the pair without waking them. When early morning approached, he kicked the boys awake and marched them out the door. Followed for the first three miles by their mother, who cursed Reeves the entire time, he marched the pair the full 28 miles to the camp where the posse men waited. Within days, the outlaws were delivered to the authorities and Bass Reeves collected a $5,000 reward. Baining weariness, she consented to let him stay a while longer. As the sun was setting, Reeves heard a sharp whistle coming from beyond the house. Shortly afterward, the woman went outside and responded with an answering whistle. Before long, two riders rode up to the house, talking at length with her outside. The three of them then came inside and she introduced her sons to Reeves. After discussing their various crimes, the trio agreed that it would be a good idea to join up. Bunking down in the same room, Reeves watched the pair carefully as they drifted off to sleep and when they were snoring deeply, handcuffed the pair without waking them. When early morning approached, he kicked the boys awake and marched them out the door. Followed for the first three miles by their mother, who cursed Reeves the entire time, he marched the pair the full 28 miles to the camp where the posse men waited. Within days, the outlaws were delivered to the authorities and Bass Reeves collected a $5,000 reward. Though the tales of his heroics are many and buried, the toughest manhunt for the lawman was of hunting down his own son in 1902. After having delivered two prisoners to U.S. Marshal Leo Bennett in Muskogee, Oklahoma, he arrived to bad news. His own son, Benny, had been charged with murder after having killed his wife in a fit of jealousy. Though the warrant had been lying on Bennett's desk for two days, the other deputies were reluctant to take it, and though Reeves was shaken, he demanded to accept the responsibility for finding his son. Two weeks later, Reeves returned to Muskogee with his son in tow and turned him over to Marshal Bennett. His son was tried, convicted to life in prison, and sent to Kansas's Leavenworth Penitentiary. Later, with a citizen's petition and an exemplary prison record, Benny Reeves was pardoned and lived the rest of his life as a model citizen. After 1907, the role and duties of the United States Deputy Marshal as a primary law enforcement officer were assumed by state agencies. At the age of 83, Reeves accepted a job as patrolman of the Muskogee Police Department, and from 1907 to 1909, there was reportedly never a crime committed on his beat. He was still a bad A into his 60s. He died on January 12, 1910, and there is a memorial in the Union Agency Cemetery at Muskogee, Oklahoma, but the exact location of Bass Reeves' grave is unknown. And that is the story of Bass Reeves. Let me know what you think. And if it's something I should pursue or if it's something you want to hear more of, let me know. Uh, Leave some comments. uh, Like, share, subscribe. You know what? I'm going to try this. What I want you to do is think of 
three people. I'll tell you what. Close your eyes. Think of three people who you think would enjoy the podcast Amon does. And if you've listened to all the episodes, pick one. Then contact your friend via text or phone. No social media. And let them know about the show and why you think you'd like it. Then send them a link to the show and ask them to ask them what they think. Just it's that simple. Just every, if everybody passes, every, everybody who's listened to this passes it around to three people and they listen, this sucker will take off. <laughs> so I want to thank you and I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for spending your time with a wild and crazy and a little bit wacky little guy who uh, decided to start a podcast and now has sprouted three of them. And I appreciate you. And remember, you can check me out at Comic Conversations with the Odd Fellas every Wednesday live on Facebook, as well as on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget, on July 16th, Different Worlds, same story, will debut with myself and Madeline Rosenberg. I'm pretty sure I said that incorrectly. Not Madeline Rosenberg, but the English with myself. And we're going to have some fun, so you can join me there. So, until August 7th, or dare I say, dumb August 7th, see it, hear it, speak it, live.